line is my co-host Dan. Dan, welcome back. How have you been? Thank, thank you. Thank you. Doing well, thanks. I'm looking forward to talking about some footy today. Um, you've been hiking, you've been camping and canoeing in the country. So like really a real man of nature. How's that been? <laughs> oh, it's been great. I know here in British Columbia, it's quite different than where you live, Hayglo. It's uh, We have quite a bit of the backcountry access here. And so it's it's easy to find a, a place that's free of people and, and a place where you can just get outside for a little bit. It's been really nice. Oh, that sounds, yeah, I am uh, stuck in a city and I gotta tell you, not, <laughs> would not recommend at the moment, <laughs> but happy to be yeah. with me. What, what have you been doing um, to kind of pass the time to, to break up the, the monotony? I've actually been quite busy with work, so mostly really trying to find a little space to do nothing, um, which is greatly disappointing, but still working on some yoga but generally nothing too exciting just yet but we might have some news for our listeners in the coming weeks so stay tuned awesome sounds good uh, so we want to begin today's show with uh, some housekeeping, uh, that is to say like some roundup of all, now that football is back in not all the leagues but a number of major leagues, uh, we wanted to do a quick review or really just discussion exactly. on what's been going on around the football world uh, before we get into our main topic of the day. What's happening with our K-League teams? Yeah, on that note, uh, isn't it nice to actually have a few different leagues to talk about, eh? I mean, it was just yesterday it felt like where obviously there was no footy and generally speaking, it seems like most leagues have been have doing okay with as far as staving off the spread and all that so it's great to talk about different leagues and and uh, different stories but uh yeah glow our Kaylee teams actually played each other this past week oh that's really exciting i <laughs> do tell, tell for our listeners who might not remember yeah uh, who our teams are i suppose for sure so glow we, we picked fc soul for you um, which is actually one of the, the bigger clubs in, in Korea, in South Korea there. So I have the Suwon Blue Wings. And they played each other to a 3-3 draw this past week. And uh, it was a big match because we're, we're neck and neck. Uh, unfortunately, we're both in, in, in down the table. So you're ninth and yeah. I'm in 10th. Yeah, <laughs> really down <laughs> in the bottom. <laughs> I was yeah. like, I was supposed to get a good team. A good team. I know. I don't have to worry about it. I'm just having to stave off. Like yeah. this playoff zone situation. You know, when you look at a table and you're in the red, and it's like, it doesn't feel good, you know? I know, because it's only a 12-team league. So ninth and 10th, uh, we have a better goal difference than you. You have minus 12, we're minus 3. But we're both uh, we're both struggling, we're floundering, but hopefully we can pick up some form here. Yeah, one can only hope. <laughs> so I don't know. We'll see. We'll keep you guys updated on our many teams that we have adopted over the course of lack of football. <laughs> but exactly. that is, that's what's happening. What it has been exciting, though, has been uh, the return of La Liga and uh, really Real Madrid, like, turning on, like, full engine. And, like, yes. we forget how far behind Real Madrid was at this point last year and, like, the real exactly. turnaround that Zidane has on the team. And now they're top of the table, four points clear of Barca, and they, it looks like, you know, 
all things go up according to plan, they will be lifting the trophy this season, which yep. is like absolutely remarkable. <laughs> not that not that we needed any more proof, but I think it just again is showing Zidane's quality as a manager, hey? It's crazy because he's one of those managers, despite winning uh, three back-to-back Champions Leagues that we still, or a fair amount of people still talk about and ask yep. about what his coaching credentials and coaching style is. And it is not as exactly. easy to define as a peb, a club, that this, that, and the other. So I do get that. But his trophy cabinet really does speak to himself. So he must be doing something, right? I, I agree. And yeah, I think like you said, right? Because he went right to Real Madrid and people, oh, well, anyone could coach and manage those, you know, a group of that quality and have success. But I think, you know, the fact that he's come back in again and they're, they're now in the in the lead, I think it just speaks again. We're, we're dealing with someone here, I think, who not only was a brilliant footballer, but I think he's got he's got what it takes, obviously, to be a brilliant manager, too. Yeah, that it's like really exciting, and of course, even ex- more exciting is uh, Messi got his seven hundredth goal, which is an absurd thing to say about a singular player, oh and gosh. he got there uh, in fewer games than Ronaldo. And the only reason I mention this is yes. because I know Ronaldo would be petty about this, and thus it must be mentioned. <laughs> he would. <laughs> he definitely he would. would be. Credit to Messi. Just... Yeah, yeah. Once again, though, hey, Messi is just carrying his team, it seems like, every every year. I mean, there are, at least in the Spanish newspapers, uh, just constant conversation about, like, the board and, um, like, the leadership and, like, the relationship with uh, Kike Setien. Um, it doesn't seem like it's going too well. And I think, like, the mismanagement that a lot of, like, uh, authors and uh, a lot of people had been talking about at Barcelona is like really brimming to the top. So that's also been a very interesting sideshow. And it's obviously now compounded with the fact that they are at risk of losing the La Liga title mm-hmm. after being knocked out of the Champions League, of course. Yeah, could be another failed season, especially after all the money that they spent. I was reading an article just the other day listing off all the different signings that they've made in the past, whatever it was, four to five years. And it it totaled to over a billion euros, right? And it's just staggering the amount of money that they've spent. And not a lot of these players have worked out. Yeah, it's um, their transfer policy is uh, not doing too well, I guess I would say would be my humble opinion, especially given how... I mean, it makes me really sad because I thought he was, had such great promise. Like, Guzman Dembele doesn't seem to have been to have worked out. Yes. I mean, Griezmann, after this weekend, it looks like he might be, like, starting to fit in. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It doesn't seem like they've quite ironed out where all these big names are going to fit, oh, which is disappointing for a club of their stature yeah and then you get the random starting like you know Braithwaite there and last year I think it was Kevin Prince Boateng right they always have like a 
an, an annual oh, yeah, kind of random it, signing. <laughs> it's like a, you know, like, I feel like it's that annual pro bono signing. You know what? Like, yes. a charity. Just like, it's like you the, the, Okay, I apologize. <laughs> I love <laughs> so it. So many I people love that it. I just offended. But it just, like, I mean, like, no offense to Kevin Prince Sports, and he is, like, a fine football player. But you know what I mean? Like, he wasn't on many people's, yeah. like, number one priority <laughs> list to go to Barcelona. So I feel like they always have one of those that's, like, completely out of left field yeah, and as an outsider totally. i'm just like greatly enjoy it but as someone who is more invested in the club i guess i can see how you asking this like hmm, where are our coins going you know yes exactly right. no i, I hear you so what's going on with syria um not much that is particularly surprising which yeah. is disappointing for me to say i mean we i think we expected a bit more of a title challenge from inter but inter i think stacked that, on paper like what's going yeah. on yeah i mean as they're known menu b just given how many menu players at inter hilarious <laughs> yeah. greatly enjoy it but they're firmly they're in third and we have like Lazio in second and it seems pretty much that um Juve is going to wrap up the title and the top four are pretty set. I think it's uh, Inter, Lazio, Atalanta, who are a, f- a dream to watch. Like would recommend mm-hmm. if you're anyone who wants to get Such into Serie just yeah. a great club to get into from the get-go. Really exciting players and work happening on that front. Yeah. But yeah. Love in watching terms a team no that's not, change just there. full of... Yeah, completely agree. Not, you know, watching a team that's not necessarily full of just expensive signings, but a team that just works so well as a unit together. Yeah, I think what's been a bit disappointing to me has been Napoli. And perhaps, I suppose, if you look at the team, you wouldn't be too surprised. But it's that kind of, like, I expected Napoli to be good or, like, at least to be more competitive than it has been. But I think they've lost two of their last matches, I would say. And they're just, yeah. they've been, mm. do you ever watch, there's this line in Clueless, I'm <laughs> just like, I know you can be underwhelmed and you can be overwhelmed. Can you ever just be whelmed? And I feel like that's Napoli for me <laughs> this season. I'm just like, whelmed. Yeah. <laughs> so that but is they're in sixth, they're in sixth, you know, they're in sixth, they're not really fighting for the title. They might limp into Europa, you know, that's about it. It's um yeah I'm not sure if that can lip into you oh yeah maybe, perhaps Europa yeah but yeah because they're pretty on uh they're only in the sixth on goal differential beneath Roma uh so yeah. so they could theoretically make it into Europa which would be good but it seems like the top four are pretty sealed up and it's just a question of yeah like, that's all where settled yeah two three and four like end up in the shuffle but I really can't. Can't I am interested for next year. You have a chance. Go ahead. Go ahead. I am interested for next year and in how uh, Inter will do because I hope to see more of a title challenge, like you're saying. Uh, they just signed Hakimi from Dortmund, so they were managed to get that guy's signature. And uh, obviously, starting from the same point of each, you know, this, this, the same date, Inter squad will be a lot more dialed in. I think next season. Yeah, it, I'm really excited to see. I mean, obviously, the rumor mill is, must be noted, the rumor mill. If there's, like, some signings uh, surrounding them, there is a note of potentially Gabriel, de, Gabriel Jesus uh, linked with them, but I'm not sure if they're going to shell out the sticker price of 70 mil that Man City has slapped on him. 
Um, But so they are in the market to improve. And I think I'm looking forward to what Antonio Conte can do with this slot. Uh, Provided that he wants to keep Alexis Sanchez, please do. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) How much does he make a week? It is an absurd amount of money. I think it just, it makes my head hurt. I just, I can't conceive of making that much money, but good on him. Get you a good contract. (laughs) So good on him and his agent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's absolutely not some of these numbers. But then you also think about like, in order to be able to pay somebody that much amount of money, you need to be making significantly more. So yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. What's going on at DC United, Glow? Is there, I know like here, Vancouver Whitecaps, you know, a lot of obviously pictures and videos and all that of their training and the players are getting fit again. Do you see DC United uh, making a bit of a push this season and when they finally get to this restart tournament whenever it starts? Uh, you know, I really always have a, some trouble speaking on DC United because they truly run hot and cold. They will have like some like really fine, like I would say last season we had like an incredible, the team had an incredible like second half of the season. And I understand like part of it obviously could be attributed to home advantage given how many uh, games they're playing at home after they open the stadium. But mm-hmm, I, yeah. that is all to say, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't think they know. <laughs> so, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. How much of a loss was it to, to lose Wayne Rooney? Uh, frankly, I think the loss is felt more on the commercial side. And obviously, don't get me wrong, he's like see. wonderful talent and he like elevated the team and play. But in my opinion, if the league wants to become a good like proper selling league, I think they need to like invest more in like local talent course, that they can yeah. further sell. So, but I do understand like Wayne Rooney did like wonderful things for like bringing in like mm-hmm. people who normally wouldn't go see MLS games yeah. to DC United. So that is in itself valuable. But I think for a long-term scheme, I think just investing locally and like good scouting would be Yeah, on that note, it's amazing. He, he might actually be able to pull Derby back into the English Premier League next season. I think they're in seventh right now in the championship. I know, yeah. And just scored the- another beautiful free kick the other week there. And uh, I think, you know, he might do it. He might be back in the in the Premier League. <laughs> how, how amazing would that be? That would be so fun. I truly wish, like, the best for him. And Me too. Think it would just be delightful, you know. The, um, and I imagine a lot of, like, football journalists are, like, really salivating at, like, all the narratives, like, the low-hanging fruit narratives that are right there if he can return. So, for all of us, I would wish for full Derby to come through. But number one, I need to see Marcelo Piozza. Like, as even as a United fan, I just want to see Marcelo Piozza in the Prem because <laughs> he's a character. I mean, do you, how do you not want more of that? He's, oh, he's absolutely. He's delightful. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's awesome. I mean, he's done a little world tour. He went off to the the states. You know, he's he's returned now to Derby, and I think it'd be great to see him find his way back. And he's playing a new position, right? I think he's playing basically like a center defensive mid or center mid, um, which is you know, and he's still pinging the long balls across the pitch, right? So he could get it done. 
Good, yeah, good evolution to his game, I'd say. But um, the one other thing I wanted to note on the return of football is the return of women's football in the US. The NWSL uh, is hosting a month-long tournament in Utah. Uh, however, it is important to know that Orla- uh, the Orlando-, Orlando is not in it because um, on the onset at the beginning of the tournament, um, six like players and stuff tested positive, or the results were inconclusive, which you know, following protocol means it, it's not right, eh? Yeah, it means like they then have to go into quarantine, so the schedule had to be readjusted. But uh, what's really important to note, um, are two things I would say. There's more sponsorship for the NWSL this time around. Which like uh you this is the first time I think you can see this entire tournament on cable TV and for the US it's like CBS and for um international viewers it's on Twitch I believe but yeah it's like it's been really cool okay. like a bit more sponsorship more bigger names like Verizon you have like your Budweisers you have your PNG like really big names throwing some sub not as much as they throw. At men's football, but like for NWSL standards, substantial amount of money, which has been really good. That's awesome. So that's been exciting to watch, and definitely give it a just give it a look if you if you have some time. It's like very available, and it's like really cool to see. I've been fascinated watching Lynn Williams and um, Debinha, who looks like the heir apparent to brazil's marta so it's been lovely wow who do you ha- what's your favorite team in, in that league um i mean i'm dc based so i would say the spirit are my team who were tentative yeah. contenders but after their game against the north carolina courage who are truly the team to beat uh it seems like there's some ways to go there's um a bit of uh difference in quality a a decent gap in quality between the two teams so yeah but it's good to know that they are on the rise and some of the off the field conditions are marginally getting better yeah so for me uh as much as it kind of pains me because the portland timbers are obviously a massive cascadia rival here for vancouver whitecaps but my team is probably portland thorns because uh christine sinclair who I should note is the top scoring women's footballer of all time for any national team. She just passed. Oh, that's awesome. uh, yep. She just passed Abby Wambach this last year. So she's got more goals for team Canada than any other uh, player for their national squad, which is pretty ama- amazing feat given that Canada doesn't have a lot of firepower usually, but anyway, she plays for Portland thorns. So uh, she's still, she's still playing. She's had a long career and we're hoping that she'll be in the next, uh, woman's, uh, I think she's probably going to retire after the next Olympics. So whenever that is. Yeah. There's a good, uh, colleague from school who is on the Portland thorns as well. So if I no throw that, so I, there's a soft spot for the thorns as well in my heart, which is lovely. Oh, no way. Maybe and we should, uh, arrange an interview. <laughs> <laughs> that would be lovely. We should definitely look into that. And with that, we'll take a quick break and we'll be back uh, with some chat about Manchester United. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Uh, given the, the recent rise and form of Manchester United, it just seemed completely fitting that we spend some time chatting about the Red Devils, 
Glow, obviously, you're a massive Red Devils fan. I couldn't help but uh, make sure that we spent some time about that and, and talked about your favorite club here. How are they doing lately? I tell you. Um, we're doing well. I think we're 14 or 15 uh, matches undefeated in all competitions, which uh, is Ole's uh, longest run in form so far. And okay. I think we beat uh, the 5-2 uh, win against... Um, against the cherries was our first like five goals at home in something ridiculous like nine years so the last time that happened wow. alex ferguson was a manager sir alex ferguson my apologies wow amazing yeah, yeah. so it's been a good time to be a menu fan given uh, a lot of not so good years <laughs> recently yeah you guys have had to work hard to to get back to this level so i mean good for ole i mean they They've repaid the faith in him. Do you feel like his job is secure right now? I think so. I am personally of the mind I've and I have been for a bit is that I think we should give him time. I don't think that there's quite yeah. a quick fix to like the management. It sounds like he might not have been coming in like the most impressive like manager on paper and his resume, but he really does get the club. And more than anything, he ha- he seems to me to want to be able to get a support staff that will fill in the gaps okay. and like get a really good group of people around him. So and yes. so for me that was like really important that you have a manager who doesn't just want to run the show by the entire cell themselves and is happy to get um, qualified people to assist him. Yeah, no, I agree. And and speaking obviously as a as a fan of my my club, I mean, don't don't do what we've done and just fire everyone left and right as soon as the form turns south. Like it just does not help. Yeah, this is why I'm a huge proponent on honestly having transfer windows for coaches. Again, this is like my big football revolution idea, and I'm sure like people have talked about going it back in to the, the hot takes episode. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I th- really think like managers should be given a substantial amount of time, and I also think clubs should be smarter in recruiting. But yeah, yeah, I mean, there's there's got to be something to be said about just just giving them time, and uh, I know that you know big clubs like yourself, you know, with Manchester United, the demand for success right now, you know, is is massive. And to put yourself back in the, in the, the conversation of, of winning titles and winning trophies, I get that. But, I mean, look at him now. He's just doing great. So, of course, it does beg some questions. Um, but first of all, a little background glow. How did you become a Man U supporter? Like, what's the backstory here? I frankly do not, like, remember a particular day when I woke up and I was like, I'm going to be a Man U fan. But I, like, grown up around uh, soccer my entire life and... Uh, one of my uncles who I grew up around is a huge Man U fan. And I just, every single time he was watching uh, a game, I was attached to him to the, on the hip. So it's very much that, like, this uh, relationship that I had with a, f- a number of members in my family who are huge Man U okay. fans, like, very much transferred yeah. to me in that I didn't really have a say in it. So, <laughs> and awesome. then uh, when I became a uh, quasi-conscious human being, I was like, okay, I guess this is the <laughs> team I've only been watching. So here we are. <laughs> That's but awesome. yeah, but there wasn't a light bulb moment that I just picked the team as much as I grew up around it, grew up around people who supported yeah. it. And it was a huge part of our relationship. And slowly 
it also became my own. That's awesome. And so, like, do you have any greatest memories of supporting this club uh, over the years? Um, I few, I would say. I mean, it goes without saying for a lot of menu fans, right? Like the '99 season, like it's such a huge deal. But I was a toddler. I was like in diapers, <laughs> you know. I was like three years yeah. old at the time. So, <laughs> I mean, I've rewatched it and I greatly appreciated that. And I see why people that like to have been an adult or like somebody who knows what's going on watching that would have been remarkable but since I didn't I think like more of my Mm -hmm. memories and that I'm more having more emotional value to me with the club come a little bit later I specifically think of the like the 0708 Champions League final with (laughs) against Chelsea I think it was in Moscow yeah 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 but i remember watching that with like one of with like my uncles like my cousins and like basically an entire family and there were like two chelsea fans and that's and this whole game like goes into pen like it was really it had everything you had like a ronaldo yes. you had a ronaldo opening goal a beauty you had like Drogba being sent off for slapping <laughs> won't you get it it's <laughs> like what <laughs> it was like all the absurdity that you would really like and then you have like missed penalties you have like surely like it had all the drama and it also was a time when i decided i just can't watch penalties this just no (laughs) yeah it was uh it was a lot i just would even uh, even to this day do you can you watch can you do you have a hard time watching penalty shootouts yeah, I mean, I do the thing where I like close my eyes and but also try to look through them and lay in a fetal position. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm not sure if we could qualify that as watching, but like I do that. <laughs> and, oh, I totally hear you. And I always, always try to cheat and see if the penalty went in. And I do this especially like in the World Cup or like, you know big things i will like keep refreshing my phone and be like okay let me know how it went did it did it make it i just can't yeah. do penalties i yeah. i don't have the constitution for it <laughs> oh i know ever since um i think the first time i felt that actually was when uh asimo Jian stood up to take that penalty and if he had scored it was like the 120th minute or something in extra time luis suarez had just handballed for uruguay I'm, I'm still exactly right. So it would have been the first African country what to get further than the the round of eight, right? He, they would have made it to the semi. Yeah. And he hits the bar. He hits the bar. Oh my god! I was. Like, it was actually <sighs> last week was like the anniversary, and like uh, someone texted oh, me about it, and just like it, this is like the anniversary. I'm just like, yeah. I think it's like ten years later. I'm just like, yeah. I'm still not over it. I'm still bitter, and still I just, not uh, over it. Yeah, and I believe there's no statute of limitations to this particular grudge. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and just like you said, I mean, when he when he stood up to take the second penalty in the shootout, he actually he took the first PK for Ghana. Like, credit to him. Can you imagine the nerves that he had after just missing the one, whatever it was, like 10 minutes prior, and he has to set up again and take one in the penalty shootout? Credit to him. He slotted it. But that's when I think I I first felt, wow, I see why people don't watch PKs anymore. Yeah, it was like absolutely dreadful. So it was that. That was like in 2010. And it was like right after just, yeah, it was a whole host of just penalties are not fun to watch. Especially if I have like skin in the game. (laughs) Yeah, so I digress, you know, back to obviously Asamoah, he went to... uh, Sunderland, my, my club, but uh, we're back to Man U here. I mean, 
did you ever have a chance to like go see a match or go to Old Trafford or anything like that? Uh, lovely. Yeah, actually, it was pre-pandemic the last time I was at Old Trafford, <laughs> where like no one was like quite taking it seriously, and we were just like hanging on about. No one's wearing a mask, which is an absolutely absurd wow. thing to think of now. And I was there for the Watford game, and I think it was a three-nil win, which was absolutely lovely. And I was there for Bruno okay, Fernandes' so that was, that was fast season? goals, penalty. Yeah, that was this season. And so basically what I'm saying is wow. I am the good luck charm. The fact that I was there is the reason why everything is going well now. Duh. Like makes just all the right <laughs> exactly. logical leaps there. <laughs> Apologize for the mental gymnastics of you course, have to do to course. end there. <laughs> but yeah, it was That's absolutely awesome. So lovely. you actually you, you saw Bruno's you saw Bruno's debut. Yeah, I, the, his first goal anyway. Yeah, it was absolutely first goal. lovely. Brilliant. And I was like really sitting like pretty much like maybe four rows in, like behind the corner. So and it was so it was really lovely. And I gotta say the Brilliant. pies were really solid, you know? <laughs> I was <laughs> that was uh, it was a very weird thing to notice. I just remember thinking it's like these are pretty good pies. They're just like thinking, a pie and a pint at halftime. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, this is really nice." Just like these are good, and I'd been uh, like, I think I'd been at the Spurs uh, Leipzig game in the Champions League in London okay. the week before. Oh, like that week, the week of or something, which was very dull. Um, <laughs> is what I remember about it. I just remember it. the yeah. stadium being really cool yeah. and the rest of the game being incredibly dull, but. And I just remember thinking, man, I'm just like, I know we always said the English can't cook, but this is pretty good. Then I realized it was That's awesome. Indian flavored pie. You know, so I, I do like, love, I do love a good Cornish pasty. And just like you're saying, the only time I went to an EPL game actually was uh, with a, a good buddy of mine in Liverpool. He's he's a big Liverpool fan. He's from Liverpool. And we went to a match together back in like 2006 or no, no, sorry, 2008, I think. And uh, Boxing Day. And just like you said, we had the pasties and that was a lot of fun. Yeah, but you know, actually, when you think of like really good moments for your team, like I remember that, right? And obviously, like all like my formative really good moments are when I was past the age of ten. So like really nothing in the early two thousands when I was a little ding dong walking about the world. <laughs> but yes, uh, I just remember last season uh, when the PSG away game. We were not like particularly good by any chance, but the drama of it was greatly entertaining. I was like, I didn't think we were going to do well. And I was in Buenos Aires at the time. And I just remember watching it at this bar and just like losing my mind <laughs> at all the drama that came with wow. it. And then um, I think it was uh, Barry Glendening on the Football Weekly He's who said... Ass. Who had to say is like this is only funny because it happened to PSG and I was like I agree we were not like re- really good by any chance but it was just freaking hilarious <laughs> if you're not a PSG fan that is so funny and any favorite players over the years um well it's strange to choose like I mean there's like the canonical favorite players that you watch is like mm, delightful but I think I've grown more of like. Uh, soft spot for I really always enjoyed Nani I thought he had some of course worldies Jesus Christ uh, I'm yeah amazing footballer yeah uh, some just 
uh, just like truly amazing like especially against Chelsea and Spurs now that I think about it a fair amount of like really really beautiful goals went through uh Evan Percy phased his he was really banging them in left and oh, right like 58 goals over player. the course of yeah. his time I think I've always wondered what RVP could be or in terms of like the numbers he could have put up if he just stayed healthy mm-hmm. much like Aguero I mean both of them always played like half a season, three quarters of a season. They'd still put up amazing numbers, but you always wonder what it would be like for them if they were able to stay healthy for entire years. Yeah, like it was greatly, there's just an amount, a great amount of potential and you always hope for players like that. It's just like, wow, boy, I wish this could be a little bit longer and we could enjoy this level of talent so much more. But I think, I mean, Ronaldo is like an obvious one who had like some great times within but I think he broke my heart in 2008. I get it. I totally get it. It was great for his career. Blah, blah, blah. Get it. Yeah. But I think that was like one of like the first few times I was like truly attached to a player and what they would do. And I took it very, very personally <laughs> after that. And it was like, I cannot believe he would do this. And it was like, remembering that this is not really about me, but took it quite personally. Yeah. But today, <laughs> very personally, I should say. Oh, it's so funny. But yeah, I'm... I mean, would you ever have him back? No. <laughs> just... No. <laughs> no. <laughs> just like no. I love it. Yeah. Apparently, it's like the hell hath no fury, like a woman scorned. I'm going to like really live up to that. I'm just like love lovely. It. No, but also no. <laughs> Ronnie, Ronnie, if you're listening, sorry, mate, you're you're not welcome back, and uh, you still broken some some. Yeah, hearts, exactly. Executive you know, decision. The... <laughs> We've <Yeah>. decided. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I would say. So what's your? I would say today, uh, a personal favorite is Marcus Rashford. I would say. Such a likable guy. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, one, I think when I was thinking about this question, right, I had like obvious notable players that I've always called my eyes that I followed. But I would say that part of it is we came of age at the same time. So I think like it was easier to like follow that trajectory of like a young person who's like making his way in the world. Yeah. And I think I was reading or not reading. I was listening to this uh, podcast and this generally this discussion about how one of the really increasing factors in how millennials choose like brands and like teams, it is not always a fast factor, but it's a significant factor. It's the social aspect of teams and players. Yes. And I really did see that in the reason why, like I would say like, yeah, I would say he's like my favorite menu player is he's not just like a good footballer or like pretty great with like some awesome potential He's also mm-hmm. a very socially conscious guy, and I didn't realize how oh, much I valued that right until I had to like think of like who was actually my favorite player on this team. No, I think that's 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 right on point. I mean, watching what he's done in terms of the food program for the youth is brilliant. Yeah, honestly, uh, our goal is to get him knighted by the end of his career. Just <laughs> please go. <laughs> That's awesome. Please go sign my petition. Sir Marcus Rashford. <laughs> sign my petition Sir on the Facebook. Oh, sounds good. I love yeah. it. That's awesome. Put 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 the little sir on the back of his kit there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's awesome. So, okay, as an international fan, you know, I, we're both international fans of, of clubs in in England, and uh, we always have to kind of defend our position, don't we? So tell me about that. Like, how's your how's your experience been as a as an international fan at Manchester United? 
Yeah, I mean, it's exactly what you said. I think uh, part of it is that football has to do with like locality. You know, a lot of people are like born into like those areas and that's the team that's around them and thus they grow up supporting it. So I think like international fans who don't have that particular like immediate relationship always have to kind of like prove their chops, if you will, of like, I am not just like a casual fan. I'm just like as informed. I just don't live here. <laughs> but mm-hmm. so I think it's a series of that. But generally, I've never like really had any trouble past that and it's always been like a very welcoming space and I think that a lot of football fans once you show them that you know your staff they just generally get over it pretty quickly yeah I I would say that's similar to my experience too but that's good to hear I mean there's obviously a massive international following for Manchester United all over the globe uh, which on that note when you're watching that match in Buenos Aires was the the cl- the pub that you're in the, the the establishment mostly to do with Man U supporters or was it a mix? Yeah, it was a bit of a mix, really. Um, um, because I don't think like the English or like French teams are as big in South America as possible, understandably for many reasons like language and that general connectivity. They tend to gravitate towards the Liga, so it's more of a mixed bunch. I would say I was surrounded with like more neutrals than anything who are, like, more excited to see about, like, the prospect of this game, especially after, like, the first five minutes gained more interest. But I didn't think yeah. of it leaning towards any particular way. Yeah. So, Glow, as an interna- as a fan of Manchester United, a couple of quick-fire questions for fun here. Okay, real quick. Who would you keep? If you had to keep one, Pogba or Fernandes, who would you keep? Um... I don't want to choose between my favorite children. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, that, that just seems very unfair. But uh, no, I don't like this question. If you had to. <laughs> I well, it really depends, right, on what I'm building. To they offer like drastically, they complement each other, but they offer very different things. Like obviously, you have Fernandez, who's uh, in the short time he's been at the club, seems to like be a leader like the person who will put the team morale on his back and like that's like that's the he thrives on that pressure he's he was doing that at sporting and he it's just like been a seamless transition but in terms of Pogba like the pure skill is absolutely undeniable but for both of them I think you need they can't just be alone they need to be surrounded by quality players this is all to say that I don't like this question and I don't want to choose <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well maybe you could maybe you could think about the memes right because you either will have ongoing memes with like Pogba's hairstyles which are always changing and some are some are brilliant maybe some are not so much or the ongoing images of Bruno sipping his like what is it like a quart of milk, a glass bottle of milk on the sidelines as he's been subbed off. It was actually it's a protein shake, and it just oh, was like it? He just, okay. like, and he just looked like it was just like I just want some milk. It's like somebody give this. Child yeah, he's just some chugging milk. his milk. You know, he's like a just no boy. big deal. Just put in a, <laughs> yeah. two goals and assists or whatever he had there. Subbed him out. Sixty minutes. He's minute done just, just wonders milk. for my fantasy league. Mm, yeah, amazing. Please, yeah. oh, I I I had the oh, I can't believe it. I I didn't take him in because I'm chasing my mini league reader in my cash league, and my buddy got him. And so I was like, well, I have to hope my differentials pay off. But Bruno just keeps you know just keeps producing for yeah, him. Yeah, he's me. 
Mm, yeah, he really is coming through my league. I've like moved up in the wild. Oh, fantasy that is. <laughs> That's awesome. Good on you. So you kept him A in your draft league. Yeah, I got him as soon as we did. I have this problem with fantasy where uh, so this is the first time that I've played this season and I have this habit that I will pick up players that I know will be getting minutes but I will pick them up like three to four weeks in advance but like fantasy rewards like immediate immediate results so I have like two my yeah, long-term vision is significantly better than my short-term <laughs> when it comes to fantasy yeah, sometimes so I need to tweak that and then I'm gonna right win now. this next round yeah, you're going to jump on who's hot right now. So, I, for instance, I had, like, Mason Greenwood, like, when he was starting to get minutes, I was like, okay, I need to see what Ollis is in him. But right. he, like, obviously didn't pay dividends until, like, a couple of weeks down the line, at which point I was like, okay, I need to drop you, my dude. And then my friend picked him up, and now he's rocking in goals. Basically, I just wanted to complain about that, too. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, fair enough. Hey, I, I know I'm, I'm not going to win my league this year. My, if my buddy Gord is listening, I mean, he, everything he touches is turned to gold this this week. Conveniently, doesn't make any subs this week. He's like, oh, I didn't have time, and he just randomly starts Sokka against like the awesome informed defense of Wolverhampton, and he scores a goal and gets like maximum bonus or whatever, and he gets ten points. I'm like, are you kidding me? You started him against Wolves and benched him the week prior against Norwich, but anyway, yep. he seems to have a crystal ball and plan these things ahead. Yeah, honestly, please. If you're selling crystal balls, please let us know. We would like to know. (laughs) (laughs) I want it. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. So, okay. So, any favorite kits over the years? Um, for someone who loves clothing as much as I do, I feel like I should have a more firm answer. But I will say that I always enjoyed a lot of the Aeon kits um, that they put out. Yes. But of the older ones, like the one I'm particularly attached to is like the Ambro Sharp Viewcam ones. And I think it's from like 94, 95. Classic. Roughly. And it's like really good. I have like it in like a massive size, obviously. But... So it just, it's greatly comfortable and yeah. And I miss the days. I miss how funny it looks when like footballers tuck in their shirts now. And it just. Oh, I know. I saw this like, uh, this highlight of like Karim Benzema. I don't know who Madrid were playing this or last weekend. And it has his like shirt tucked in and I'm just like, you look like a dork. It's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. I had an old Scottish coach as a kid growing up in youth football and he would always say, tuck in the laundry. Or, like, terrible Scottish accent, but you know what I'm trying to say. Tuck in the laundry, lads. And so ever since then, I cannot play football without tucking in the laundry. It's just been ingrained in me. So I'm one of those old school players, I guess. Yeah, it just looks so funny. And they all look like they walk at Best Buy, which is so funny in my head. <laughs> but That's yeah. That's awesome. But no strong feelings. So for- but I definitely have a preference for the 94-95 kit. So for this season, Glow... What's going to be a success? I mean, there's not much left of it. Top four, is that was that what would be a mark of success? I mean, what are you guys hoping for for this year? I think that's accurate. Yeah, I think for like menu generally, I would say top four should be like a really good goal for this season. It should be achievable. And I think we should feel disappointed if we can't hit that. I think that we're within like one to two points of Chelsea and uh, Leicester. So like, you know, we need to keep a good form running and obviously a little bit of luck because you need that. And I think we can like go far, if not win the Europa League. I think that should be achievable. And then we'll see how the 
uh, cup turns out. But I would yeah, say my, at least my preference would be Champions League football. Securing Champions League football for next season should definitely be a win. Yeah, I think you're right there. And obviously it gives more incentive for them to keep all their players and whatnot. Exactly. That's great. Okay, and uh, the last one here. So if next season comes about, what would you take? Would you take the Champions League title or the English Premier League title if you had to choose one? Um, I would actually pick the Prem personally. Okay. I mean, a deep run in the Champions League is wonderful and the Champions League is like great for like an international market. There's a lot of money to be made. But I think it's been like since 12-13 since we won the league. And I think it would be like really wonderful, especially after like everything that's happened to like win some win something that's local to so like all those fans that are based in England. I don't know. I think it would be a great announcement of the dominance. I am not willing to say that that's even plausible because whilst I'm excited about the team of starting 11 there's a very blatant lack of depth in that team like I mean there's no answer like what if Juan Bissaka gets injured what if um like what is your right back exactly yeah what if you're like Bruno Fernandez gets injured like there's not an enough depth for me to even feel comfortable posing that so depending (laughs) on what we do in the summer I would say I would like to at least be to be in the conversation would be a win. But I don't think like yeah, we can really huge. challenge for another season or two. Sounds like exactly. You really want to solidify yourselves domestically again. Yeah. And so what's going to happen with Alexis Sanchez? I mean, is he going to return? Do you actually think he's going to to stay in Inter? I mean, can they afford it? I mean, if I, if uh, Antonio Conte got my letter, then he's going to stay at Inter. <laughs> but awesome. assuming he didn't get my letter, <laughs> asking him to please keep him. Um, I think it's plausible that uh, the current arrangement is extended, uh, which would be a loan and menu covering a part of his wages. I just don't see where he would fit in were he to return. So and I also mm-hmm. can see where on his wages he could be sold to. So at least in my mind, the best outcome there would be a loan deal situation. Yeah, that that probably makes sense, right? They just keep him for another season there. Yeah, until at least until the market settles again, you know. So Owen Hargraves, I was thinking about how we're going to cover Manchester United today, and, and Owen Hargraves is doing a lot of the punditry and whatnot for, for DAZN. It's the program that I use to watch the English Premier League. And, uh, uh, I see. You know, for those who don't – yeah, so for those who don't know him, obviously, uh, it's a, he's a hot topic up here in Canada because he was probably one of our most successful footballers to be born in Canada. He was born in Calgary, Alberta. And he uh, made it made his name in Bayern Munich. Won a bunch of titles. Won a Champions League. Um, you know, real successful. Kind of like a number six, number eight. You know, two way midfielder. Just broke up play. Incredible tenacity. And then Sir Alex Ferguson bought him, and he was g- going to be a big part of of the plans for Manchester United. So I couldn't help I couldn't help but think about him and think about. Uh, you know, this conversation in Manchester United and like, did you ever remember seeing him? He had like basically one solid season with you guys before he blew up his knee. Yeah, I think he's one of those names where um, 
like I was like just watching soccer for like entertainment and he never like made enough of a mark to stay with me unfortunately whereas yeah. like now like even the ones that I, like don't like particularly aren't I'm not particularly keen on. I pay attention to to be informed. So unfortunately, Mr. Hargreaves uh, falls under that bucket where it's like, mm, sounds familiar. Did I meet him at a bar? Yeah. Or was he on my team? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> yeah. So he was with you guys like 2007 to 2011. But and just it's you know it's it's kind of that era of like I think I saw an interview with him and he described how despite your pain, you know, you, you just get back out there and, and you keep grinding. And I guess he had some. Uh, some on- ongoing knee problems and he was getting injections into his knee mm-hmm. and obviously was masking the pain yeah, and that's by really the end of the tricky. season like i know so by the end of the season like he was basically done and before yeah, even the age really of 30 so it's unfortunate uh well yeah. it seems like he's made uh, a wonderful post football career move uh with the zone so we like to see that at least he seems to have landed on his feet yeah, he's always uh, he's a hot topic here because he chose to play for England instead of t- playing for Canada Ooh. as his national national team. So it, it's it's controversial to say the least. Uh, I know his accent is a bit of a mix of German, Canadian, and and uh, British. But anyways, fair enough to the guy. I mean, at the time, obviously, if you have the choice to play for England or the choice to play for Canada, I mean, you're going to have probably more success, especially if you're in the starting eleven conversation for England. That's that's massive yeah. for him. So. Like yeah. Some ways I can't blame him, but yeah, we're always a little bit choked up here that uh, that he didn't stay true to his roots. <laughs> yeah, he's also part English, so those are technically also his roots. It's always my response to this. It's true. Yeah. It's true. But, yeah. Uh, well, it's been lovely talking menu. I mean, this is, yeah, this is most of my day and I just really cannot complain <laughs> much, but uh, we'll take a quick break and we'll be back with some sideline insights. Welcome back to Sideline the Sides. This is a segment on our show where we generally talk nonsense or go off on tangents. <laughs> it's a delightful, we love it, and we hope you do too. Uh, so for today, we are discussing the summer transfer window that has not yet opened. Who knows when it will officially open? But um, Dan, and I ask you, which summer signing would you like to see happen? And you could take it based off the team that you support or just generally what is, what's a signing totally, that you'd yeah. really like to see happen? I mean, we'd all love to see, I'm sure, some great signing. But uh, for those who know, I mean, I'm a huge uh, Sunderland, Sunderland supporter. And, you know, the heartbreak of losing Josh Maja, you know, Ugh. in the, the Netflix series, of course, shows that. I would just love for the lad to return to us you know, start banging in the goals again for us. Be our future star. You know, he's still so young. I think he's only 20 now. And just climb the ranks again. And, and he could be our striker. You know, starting number number nine up front. And uh, we could just climb the ladder back to the championship. Then back to the English Premier League with him at the front. I mean, that would just be brilliant. I'd yeah. How, ca- how has he fared in Liga? Great question. Um, I mean, he, yeah. So he took me. He made the jump from League One in England up to League One in in France. So good on the, good on him for that. But mostly getting a lot of substitute appearances um, before COVID all shut everything down. But he was scoring. Like he was doing pretty well. 
and uh, a lot of you know late substitution appearances, the odd cup game, that sort of thing. So like right now, with regard to his his team Bordeaux, he's got six goals, two assists in twenty one appearances. So I mean, heck, that's not bad for a young nineteen year old who's just making his way into a new country, a new league. But of course, as we all know, Liga actually canceled the season. So we'll we'll look forward to seeing how he does next year. Yeah, well, he seemed like a really good talent with the little that I've seen of him, which is mostly via Sunderland and some highlight reels. So I hope that your wish comes true. Oh, but I still wish him the best of luck. I think that would be delightful. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You'll How about yourself? It. Who should you guys sign? Uh, honestly, I'm a little bit torn. <laughs> um, I think that what we need is a good. What we actually need is a backup number 10 and someone more solid in defense. But I can't think of like a comparable like backup to Bruno Fernandes who will like be happy to like sit on the bench more often than not, but will be that good as well. So I've gone for the yes. defense route because I have a few more ideas of that. It looks like there's a little bit uh, rumor around um, Koulibaly that uh, Napoli could be letting him go, could be more open to letting him go. I think they are realizing that the 150 they asked last summer is Phenomenal just going to be a no-go. Or on the younger route, I, I, I hesitate a little bit because though I'm really a great fan of uh, Upamecano, uh, brilliant. Mm-hmm. I think he's like really brilliant. I think he's quite promising in the future. I am not sure if he's like what how he would fare as a consistent starter in the Prem. So perhaps Koulibaly or someone in the middle, although I'm a big fan of Upamecano in terms of like nurturing young talent that could have like a really great future. Absolutely. I think he has all the building blocks, I would say. Well, it kind of match with with how younger squad is now too, right? And how they could exactly. all gel and and grow together. Yeah, I'm. I really like uh, Axel Twanzebe, who is uh, one of the academy products and like has like quite promising as well. But then I think those are people who need like those like one to two more seasons and more playing time, which would be quite lovely to see that talent well just you know just write another couple letters hey you can write one to napoli you can write one to bordeaux for me and uh we'll make those signings happen exactly uh the other one will be addressed to kara road it's like hey i know no one's told you this before but could you do it (laughs) (laughs) uh, i want to write them a letter (laughs) but yeah we'll see i'll let you know how my letter writing ventures go (laughs) Uh, sounds good that's awesome well, this has been a lot of fun, Glow, to kind of hear a little bit more of your backstory about being a Man U fan and an international fan. And uh, I think you've proven to me, not that you needed to, but clearly you know your stuff about the club. And it's great to hear, you know, how that passion of your your uncle, I think you said it was, you know, just how it rubbed off on you and how growing up in, in that passion was contagious and, you know, developed a supporter in you. And, and uh, hopefully you'll be able to get back to Old Trafford, not too distant future, and, and watch another match, eh? Well, they uh, renewed my membership today, so you better be soon. <laughs> Otherwise, I need a <laughs> refund, please and thank you. <laughs> um, that's awesome. That's but another you, letter you I need to like write. An official... <laughs> that's another letter uh, I need to write. Be... Please give me my money back if I can make it. <laughs> 
That's awesome. So you became like an official member of the supporters or something? Um, so in order to like have access to like actual good tickets at a decent price, you need to have like an official like membership. Right. But I'm not going to buy season Brilliant. tickets, obviously, because I don't live in the UK. So that's like the next best thing for international uh, fans, because anytime you're in the UK, which is a decent amount, you can go buy tickets to a game without relying on like the stub hubs and all that. Oh, that's brilliant. Good for yeah. you. Well, this has been lovely, Dan. I'm excited to have you back on the pod and we'll see you soon. Uh, please do rate our podcast and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We're at Football Asides and we'll see you again in two weeks. Guess what? We'll-